A couple days ago, I was taking a walk through the neighborhood, and since it was just a couple days after Halloween, a lot of the decorations were still out. And I always like seeing the decorations, especially uh, in this neighborhood. People tend to do a lot, put a lot of decorations around. And of course, you see the pumpkins. I saw one pumpkin that must have been up to my hips. It was an enormous one. It was pretty cool to look at. But also on a lot of the lawns, I saw kind of things like skeletons and kind of tombstones with people kind of crawling out of them. So you see a lot of different things like this. In fact, Halloween now, this time of year, they're starting to call spooky season. I don't remember them calling Halloween this before, but it's spooky season. And there is something kind of spooky about this time of year. The days are getting longer. With Halloween, we start to think about things like death, like skeletons. It's kind of a spooky season. And even within the church as well, November can be a bit of an odd time. We tend to focus on these spooky issues, things like death. For example, during November, we oftentimes pray for the, uh, the repose of the souls of the faithful departed. So we think whether it's to do with spooky season like Halloween, or even in the church, this kind of time of year, November especially, late October, is a time in which we think about things like death. And thinking of death, of course, is not a kind of healthy thing to do frequently, but from time to time, thinking about the fact that one day our lives here on earth will end can actually be a helpful or valuable thing. Thinking about death sometimes can be beneficial for us. There was a famous philosopher, Martin Heidegger, who really struck this point home. So Martin Heidegger once was describing a human being and what a human being is, and different people throughout you know, the centuries have tried to define a human being. And Martin Heidegger defined a human being this way. A human being is a being made for death. So for Martin Heidegger, every human being, what makes us so significant or a central part of our reality is that we will one day die. Now, Martin Heidegger didn't say this to kind of be dark or kind of make us depressed. Just it's a reality. This is a part of our existence. And Martin Heidegger would often note a kind of interesting thing that even though this is a fact of who we are, that our lives will one day end, oftentimes we go to great lengths to ignore this fact. We want to ignore death entirely. Martin Heidegger would argue that this ultimately isn't so helpful for us. Heidegger would argue that in order to live well, we should come to terms or face sometimes the fact that we will one day die. When we do this, it shouldn't make us kind of sad and depressed. We're just ultimately recognizing a reality and therefore we're able to live well. So thinking about death sometimes, we don't want to over-exaggerate it, but sometimes from time to time can help us live well, to help us to focus on what is most important. And this is actually kind of a tradition as well in the Catholic Church, in a tradition within Christianity. I remember visiting for the first time some churches in Europe, and I was struck as a child. You see on tombs all these images of skeletons. Sometimes they're kind of dancing there, and when I was a kid, I found this very strange. Or I remember seeing paintings of saints sometimes, and they're sitting at their desk writing, and above them is a skull. You know, very normal office decor. You have a, a skull there sitting on your desk. And this is part of this tradition in Christianity that we call memento mori, remember death. And the idea is similar to what Heidegger is getting at, that we want to remember death, not overly, not over-exaggerated, 
but we remember it so that we can live well, that we remember our life is limited, so we want to focus on what is most important. So thinking about death from time to time, especially during this spooky season, can be helpful for us, helps us live well. But we need to remember, of course, that whenever we face the reality of death, we want to look at death with Jesus Christ by our side. We as Christians want to look at death through the lens of the resurrection of Jesus. We, of course, if we overanalyze death, we can become depressed, we can become sad, we can despair. But with Jesus Christ, we recognize that for us as Christians, death is not the end of the story. After we die, we believe that because Jesus rose from the dead, we too will rise again. Our beloved uh, family and friends who have passed away are with God, and we believe that we will see them again, body and soul. We will see one another as we were here on this earth, but only all pain, all sorrow, all illness will be stripped away. So we want to always look at death with Jesus through the lens of our faith in the resurrection. Now at Jesus's time, there was some diversity among Jewish people about whether they believed in the resurrection of the dead or not. In the first reading, we heard what is kind of truly a remarkable story from 2 Maccabees. Uh, we hear very little from the first and second book of Maccabees at Mass. This is one of, I think, only one or two times where we hear from this book. This book is very interesting. It was written at a time of great persecution for the Jewish people. The book of 2 Maccabees was written around the year 167, during a time when Antiochus IV, a very brutal kind of Greek king, was oppressing the Jewish people. Antiochus was forbidding them from practicing their faith. Women, for example, or, or parents couldn't circumcise their children. They couldn't observe kosher dietary laws. And those who followed these Jewish customs sometimes were put to death in a terrible way by Antiochus. And in the first reading today, we heard this story about a woman who has seven sons, and each of these seven sons, in turn, are killed because of their steadfastness to trying to live their Jewish customs, their way of life, follow their religion. These are kind of like martyr stories that we have as well in our Catholic tradition. You can think of the example, for example, of John Brebeuf or the Canadian martyrs. Sometimes it's a bit gruesome, but they're meant to obviously teach us a moral lesson about how we can somehow imitate them in our lives as well. But what is very important in these stories of the martyrdom of these seven sons is the faith they express in the bodily resurrection. And when you hear it, it's kind of startling. The brothers are saying, okay, go ahead, torture me, cut off this part of my body, cut off that part of my body, because I trust to get this back in the resurrection. So we see in the book of Maccabees a very strong belief in these Jewish communities in the resurrection of the dead. Other Jewish people at Jesus's time did not believe in the resurrection of the body. And one group that was famous for this was the Sadducees. We heard in the gospel that the Sadducees are kind of trapping Jesus in this question. They have, they, Sadducees, as we hear, didn't believe in the resurrection and they want to prove to Jesus or expect to prove that the resurrection somehow is kind of ridiculous. So they set up what is really a ridiculous story of a woman who marries in turn all these brothers. And the question is, whose wife will she be ultimately in, in the resurrection of the dead? And they hope to trap Jesus and Jesus says, okay, you're wrong, you're off base. 
There is no marriage ultimately in eternal life, but more than this, Jesus wants to make it clear that God is a God of the living and not of the dead, that the God who Jesus came to reveal shows us ultimately that the resurrection is a reality. So we believe ultimately as Christians this truth, as St. Paul would often say, the resurrection is the central thing we believe as Christians. Jesus rose from the dead, so we trust that we too will rise from the dead. So although we want to think about death from time to time, we never want to look at death except with Jesus and our faith in the resurrection by our side. When we do this, we see that we, as Christians before us, tend to view death a little bit differently. Certainly, we mourn when our beloved uh, friends and family members pass away, but our mourning is always marked by hope as well. And kind of one example of this that I find quite interesting is again taken from the city of Rome. If you've had a chance to visit there, you'll notice that there's different names given to places where people are buried. Before Christians arrived, uh, non-Christian people oftentimes would call these places of burial a necropolis, which means a city of the dead. And this kind of expresses their belief that the dead remain dead, but they kind of need a place to be, these cities in which they'll live. However, Christians called their burial places a cemetery, which comes from the Latin word to rest or to sleep. Cemeteries were seen as, uh, as, as um, dormitories of places of rest where people awaited the resurrection of the dead. We even say things like rest in peace when someone passes away. This is, expresses our faith ultimately in the resurrection that people who have died, we expect to see them again and we still remain closely united with them our relationship we had on earth, this relationship of love, continues after death. And for this reason, we perform acts of, for example, praying for the dead. So when we look at death through the lens of the resurrection, we're filled with hope and we want to maintain this relationship of love with our uh, beloved uh, friends and family members who have passed away. So ultimately, during the month of November, we have this opportunity a bit to reflect on death during this spooky season not as a way to become depressed or saddened, but to be filled with hope in the resurrection. And let us during this month of November pray in a special way for the faithful departed, our family and friends who have passed away. And as you probably are aware, one way in which our church community does this in a special way is through the book of remembrance that we keep here on this table in front of the altar. And you're invited, of course, at the entrance of the church, there are some sheets there to write on these pages the names of your deceased family and friends and to add it to the Book of Remembrance so that when we're here gathered as a community during this Mass, we can pray not only for the members of our community that are here, but for those who have passed away, always with hope that because of the resurrection of Christ, we will be reunited again.